I'm reading from Colossians chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. We did an exposition on verse 18 last week, and this week we'll look at 18 to 20, which is the context. Colossians chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. This is the word of God. He also, speaking of Christ, is head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. The Word of God. I'm looking at a a title that I've given this text, The Pleasures of God. There are some who believe that to say that there is feelings in God is to misrepresent God or emotions because God is complete in himself. And it is always, humanly speaking, it is always something outside of ourselves that causes us to feel an excitement inside of ourselves. And this is true of life. So to say that God has feelings is to say that God depends upon something outside of himself in order to express himself. Well, A.W. Tozer likes to say, remember that when we're talking about God, we must use human terms in order to understand what is not understandable, to comprehend what is incomprehensible. And so when we talk about the pleasures of God, we're talking about something totally different than what we think in terms of human pleasure. Uh, I want to begin then with, with this. Is it possible to know God in such a way that you know what gives him pleasure? Whenever my son visits us from Seattle, and he and I would be out doing something, I would say to him, Christopher... Guess what your dad feels like? And he will inevitably say, a milkshake. (laughs) Whenever I say that to him, he will say, a milkshake. He knows exactly when I say that, what that means to me. What is it in you? What is it in me that brings pleasure to us? To who we are. What would it take, in fact, to bring pleasure to your souls? What would it take to excite you? Yesterday, as Lois and I were driving home from the wedding, we're looking for something to listen to on the radio, and, and all of a sudden, I heard that the Raptors were beating Cleveland. I didn't expect that. 
even though I'm a Raptor fan. And I had to hold on to the steering wheel because there were only three and a half minutes left and they were leading by 10 points. And I was excited. Don't blow it. (laughs) (laughs) See, there are lots of earthly things that bring excitement to us. I can imagine, I can imagine how Nick felt yesterday. You should have seen his face. I could see it. (laughs) Excited because of what was to take place. And we are told that in our text that there is something that brings pleasure to God. Oftentimes when we think of God, we we tend to think of God as a kind of 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 a killjoy. I went to school with a, a, a fellow from, from Eugene, Oregon. And, and I remember him saying, I don't laugh because there's not a verse, verse of scripture that says Jesus laughed. Wow. So I gently said to him, give away your car because there's not a verse of scripture that says he owned one. <laughs> Listen to our text as I read it again. For it was the good pleasure of God, verse 18, it was, uh, 19, I'm sorry, it was the good pleasure of the Father for the fullness to dwell in Him. Jeremiah chapter chapter 9, verses 23 reads this way. Please listen to this. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this. That he understands and knows me, says the Lord. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. In these things I delight. God says there are things that delight me. Justice, righteousness, steadfast love. Let me begin by talking about what God is speaking about. He's speaking about what exists in what we call the Godhead or the Trinity. But Paul expresses it to us this way, showing us that the ecstasy of which he's speaking, we'll see this in a minute, is is what is taking place outside of time, in eternity, where God is is saying something, doing something, that 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 is producing a sense of intense joy. That's what the dictionary says ecstasy is. It is the intense joy or delight. The subject is God. What is it? And I I like how Paul puts it. He helps us to understand something. That the ecstasy of God is a relational ecstasy. He didn't say, for it pleased God. Of course it did. We'll see in a minute the word please is where we get the word pleasure. Paul says, for it pleased the Father. It is this relationship that takes place in eternity 
that is so unique, that is beyond our imagination. And, and Paul says the Father relates to the Son in a way that is unique. There is this relationship. And this relationship is what produces what is necessary for your life and mine, as we shall see in a few minutes. When Jesus was being baptized, as he went under the water and he came out, and as he was coming out, the heavens parted, and a voice from heaven came and said, This is my beloved Son. God wanted the world to know that a relationship exists between the one coming out of the water and the God who was in heaven. He wants us to see that what really matters, what really matters for life, my friends, is relationships. Relationships. And in the Godhead, we have three distinct things that takes place. There is diversity. There is community. And there is unity. This is why we will see in a few minutes what it means. There's a father. And there's a son. There is a spirit. Diversity. One God. But in this Godhead, we have community. They relate to one another. Whatever the Son does, the Father does, the Spirit does, there's no contradiction. And this might sound like this can only take place in heaven. No, friends, it can take place on earth. I'll tell you why it can take place on earth. Uniquely enough, in the providence of God, he had John turn to 1 Corinthians 13. And in 1 Corinthians 13, we have the way by which we can walk together, work together, serve one another in unity because we are constrained by the sovereign love, the steadfast love of God. That is what exists in heaven. Jesus in his high priestly prayer prayed, Father, I pray that where I am, these might be also, so that they might see how much you love me. In Matthew, and by the way, I can only think of one place where Jesus addressed his father as God. Every other place he addresses him as father. As father. Only on the cross. Why have you forsaken me? My God, my God. Every other place Jesus addresses his father in that relational aspect of the diversity and the community and the unity of the Trinity. This is the relational aspect of ecstasy. I can get excited, if you please, over a basketball game. I can get excited over a baseball game. I can get excited over whatever. But my friends, do we ever get excited over our relationship with God? Does it excite you that you are coming to church this morning and there you will meet the people who will join you in worshiping the Father? We, are, we, we, we belong to one another just as Jesus belonged to his Father and the Father belonged to the Son. You'll see this in Matthew chapter, 20, chapter 11. Jesus is praying to his Father and he says, Father, it seems good to you that you should withhold these things from the wise and the prudent and you have made known these things to, the, to babes and to sucklings. For no one knows the Father, a relational word. No one knows the Father 
but the son, and no one knows the son. They know each other because they communicate and they are a unity. The ecstasy is relational. And my friends, do we know that in our relationship with one another? Does it excite you that you are sitting beside the person you're excited, you're sitting beside this morning, the person behind you? Because in the family of God, there is exactly what we have beautifully portrayed for us in the Trinity. Diversity, community, and unity. A relational ecstasy. God was, if you please, so I say this reverently, God was excited in heaven because of what? I want you to see how rapturous this ecstasy was. Verse 19 again, the second part of it. The King James translation and others say, it pleased the Father. The newer translations say, it was the Father's good pleasure. It's a good translation of the word. It pleased the Father. In other words, what is it that God was pleased about? What was it that caused him to feel this sense of ecstasy, if I may reverently say so? Look at what the text tells us. It pleased the Father that the fullness should dwell in him. Please listen carefully now. When it says it pleased the Father that the fullness should dwell in him, it is talking about Jesus in his incarnate state, his earthly human way. And the Father is pleased that when the Son came into the world, he came with all the attributes of deity. What was true of God in spirit in heaven is true of his Son on earth. And God was pleased. You see, there is no contradiction in the Trinity. There's no competition. When Jesus was in eternity, he thought it not Robert to be equal with God, but made himself a servant and took upon himself the form of a man. And in that man, if you please, Wesley got the, the concept of this, veiled in flesh the Godhead see. The one that was walking on earth was none other than God the Son, the one with the essence of divine attributes that belong only to God. Therefore, he was going to reveal God to us. And the Father was pleased, not by, math, by, by, by uh, the archangel, not by a creature from heaven, not by some catastrophe, some unique, no, but by the Son. He took upon himself the form of a man, and that man that was born of that woman, and that man that became a carpenter, and that man that walked the streets of Galilee was none other than God walking upon the very earth he had created. It pleased the Father this is why at the baptism he said, this is my son, the one that you're seeing coming out of the water. I am pleased with him. Same word as is used in Colossians. Good pleasure. Good pleasure. We are being told that the ecstasy of God is not 
a kind of ecstasy that has to do with something that he doesn't know. Some surprise. The ecstasy of God is his expression of satisfaction. The pleasure of God is to be satisfied with, with what is done, what is there, who is there. <laughs> Spoke with a young lady. Oh, she was speaking with me. And, and she, she was saying, if this is so, I cannot, I, I don't, I'm not, why did God do it this way and not this way? And I had heard that question before. Whenever we come across something that we think logically should be handled the human way, we say, why this way and not some other way? When I was in graduate school, I remember listening to one of the students in the class asking the professor, why didn't Paul do certain things this way or handle this way or address this? I thought it was a wonderful question, isn't it? 20th century man is asking why Paul, who lived in the second century, didn't do, first century didn't do something that the way we understand it in the 21st century. And the professor gave him an answer. <laughs> and stupid me, I raised my hand. I said, sir, could, could I suggest that if Paul was responsible for the scripture, then we can find fault with Paul. But since it was not Paul that wrote the scriptures, but God, the Holy Spirit, then to ask a question that God did not give us an answer for is to be critical of God. Because, friends, I'll, let, let me tell you what I'm getting at. The Bible teaches that everything we know, everything we know of heaven, everything we know of hell, everything we know of the life to come, everything we know of human sinfulness, everything has been given to us in the Word of God through the Son of God. If God wanted to do it some other way, He would have done it some other way. But He didn't choose any other way. And we can ask questions about the unknown while rejecting what is known. And we never get to appreciate what is known. The Father said, the Son is the one in whom I am pleased. Because in the Son, everything that I desire to do for the human race will be done. And they will try some other way. They will try some other thing. They will try some other means. As G.K. Chesterton puts it, I love it. He said, People find fault with the fact that there's only one way to heaven. Said G.K. Chesterton, I assume that if God had given us ten, they would have wanted eleven. <laughs> this is my beloved son. Listen, friends. If the son of God brings pleasure to the heart of his father, can you and I find Pleasure any other place that's lasting? 
can we find it in any other place? If, if, if Jesus Christ does not excite us, something is wrong with our spiritual life because Jesus Christ excited his Father. Do you remember when Mary went to visit Elizabeth and she greeted Elizabeth? What Mary said? Mary said, the babe in my, 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 my belly leaped. There was excitement that the mother of my Lord should come to me and the baby leaped as if to say, he's here. Oh, dear friends, listen. It was the Father's pleasure that his fullness, who he is, is in the Son. And the Father was full of pleasure, whatever that means, that God was not beside himself, but he was intensely satisfied with a satisfaction that comes when truth reigns, when there is knowledge of the holy, and when you can see from God's point of view how, how absolutely essential for us to trust Jesus Christ because God sent him to do everything that was necessary for us to trust him. The Son excited the Father. Who excites you? Who excites me? Where do we get our pleasure from? God's pleasure came from his son. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11, Paul is talking about the, the blessed gospel. The blessed gospel. And the word translated for blessed is transliterated. Listen to this word. Is Makarios. Makarios. Don't you hear them singing that at baseball game? The Makaria, whatever they do. That's where the word comes from. You know what the word means? Happy. Happy. In other words, Paul is saying to Timothy, this gospel which we have, this word comes to us from a happy God. A God who has pleasure. A God who's not a killjoy in life. He is a God who is blessed. And the word comes from that word that he is a happy God. My friends, can you know God and can I know God without being happy? You know, when Paul, talking about the death of a loved one, he said, we sorrow but not like those who have no hope. We are not hopeless in spite of circumstances in our lives. We can know a joy that this world knows nothing about because it comes from a relationship with God, not from the virtues of human will. Let me end, and you might be glad to know that I'm ending early this morning. Uh, the reason for that is because I'm finishing it tonight. This being a communion service, the second part of the verse will just lend itself to that, and I thought I'll do it this way. But listen, listen to the ratio of ecstasy. Listen to it. It pleased the Father that in Him, His Son, all the fullness of God dwells. 
that in the Son there's not partial deity. Believe me, because there are some who teach that. They teach that Jesus became the Son of God. That as time went on, he developed through the things he did to become God. And Paul says, no, Jesus Christ did not come to became. He came as he always was. The racial. God said, all my fullness dwell in him. Not in Michael, not in Gabriel, but in him. So Jesus Christ, and you see the, the problem with the church at Colossae was that people were bringing some new philosophy about angels and philosophies into the church. And Paul is saying, no, the supremacy is in Jesus Christ and the sufficiency is in Jesus Christ. And so because in him all the fullness dwells, we look and believe in him alone, not in what anybody says about life, but what he says about it. And that relates to a lot of things. He speaks as the incarnate God. He speaks as one who is full of the authority. Full, not partially. He didn't have to pray for this and that. He prayed out of himself because he was God. And when he spoke, he spoke of things, says his contemporaries. He spoke as one having authority. Not as one who has to search for anything about heaven or life beyond, but he spoke as one who could speak with absolute truth and fiat with what he was being, what he was speaking about. I was reading this morning in my quiet time, the Sadducees asked Jesus about life after death. And I always find that so humorous because the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection but they're asking Jesus about the resurrection, which, which means they were trying to just play with the truth. And I loved the, the, the words of George MacDonald, who said, I have learned not to give truth to those who do not want it, lest they have more room for arguments. And sometimes we need to know when to answer and when not to answer. And so they were asking Jesus about this woman who married seven times because of brothers that died. And in the, the, the culture of the day, the brother who died without leaving um, an offspring should be remembered by the next brother. And there were seven brothers. And so the, the Sadducees asked Jesus, in the resurrection, <laughs> whose wife shall she be? And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, you err because you do not know the scriptures. You err because you do not know the power of God. In the scriptures you will understand that God has a purpose. And you will know what that purpose is if you listen. If you listen to what I am saying because I am the, the Father's mouthpiece, if you please. The Word, the Word, the existence of the Word in eternity became flesh. And He fleshes out for us God's will, God's way, God's determination. So what do we need to know about life? We cannot go wrong if we follow Jesus Christ. In him is the fullness, the essence and the glory, which fullness is the source of grace and glory for you and for me. From his fullness we have received grace upon grace. And that's why, my friends, if I may close at this point, when Horatius Bonar 
lost his two children crossing the Atlantic, having just experienced devastation in the city of Chicago, as he boarded the ship to meet his wife who survived the storm across the Atlantic, his, history tells us that as he got to the place where his two children were somewhere at the bottom of the ocean, Bonar, Horatius Bonar wrote, wrote, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Out of his fullness, for the darkest moment in his life, he received out of the fullness of Jesus. For Art and Doris, the son taken out of this world, they received out of the fullness of the one whom God sent to be their savior. What this church did was because of the fullness the church received from him. Out of his fullness, please let me read it again. From all eternity, the plenitude of the Godhead, the fullness of God, the essence and glory, which is the fullness of the source from which we live. That's why we need to understand what brings pleasure to God. And if the Son, in all his fullness, brought pleasure to God, God was even pleasured because he knew that when you and I take of the fullness from the Son, we are receiving of the fullness from God. And we too can say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Let's pray. Take a moment, friends, to reflect. What is the most exciting thing about your life? We were singing this morning, there's no comparison. Is it true? If you have never trusted Jesus Christ to be your Savior, this is an opportunity for you to pray. What is known as the, the sinner's prayer, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me for Jesus' sake. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Tonight we will come together and we will take of the fullness of Christ and we will minister to one another. And out of his fullness, we'll minister to a world that is out there. And we will continue to take of his fullness, minister to one another. But take a moment. The fullness of Christ is the source by which we live. Finish then, Lord, the word you have started today. Complete it by your spirit. Give us a hunger to be satisfied, to find our pleasure in the Son of God, 
even as the Father did. And we pray in his name. Amen.